0: good morning, everyone. I'm so glad glad that you're here. Welcome to Sugar Creek Baptist Church. All of you from all the different campuses, I'm so grateful that you're a part of the service today. And for all of you that are online, welcome to Sugar Creek Baptist Church. Now, I got something really cool I want to share with everybody, some news I want to give to everybody. Last Sunday, we had five people who were with us online, who accepted Jesus Christ as their savior last Sunday. Yay God for that. We're so happy, we're so pleased, and this morning in the first service, uh, we had another person that accepted Christ as Savior, and we are thankful to the Lord. We want to welcome all of our new members and all of our new uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that are a part of us today, and those who've come to know Jesus, we love you, and we're so grateful that you are a part of our service. Now, listen, if you would like to be involved in in, uh, online worship, you could actually, Serve. You could be a part of this ministry. There's all kinds of jobs that you could do in volunteering, and you could actually be from another state and be one of of our volunteers. You don't have to be physically present in this region. Or you can be from any of the other campuses, and you could be a part of online worship. If you'd like to do that, all you have to do is at the end of the service, either virtually go to the the Next Step Center or to whatever campus, campus you on go to the the next step center and just say i'm interested in being a part of online worship and they will get you in contact with pastor dave grummy and he will explain all the options you can then choose if you'd like to be a part and i hope that you will decide maybe if you're not serving somewhere else that you'll decide to do that very thing In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, the Apostle Paul comes to the end of an incredible section of the Bible and then he says, and now I want to show you a better way to live. I want to show you a better way to live. You don't have to live in anger. You don't have to live in bitterness. You don't have to live in misery. You don't have to, to, to live a hard, difficult life. You can, you can come to know the God who loves you and this God who cares for you, wants you to experience peace, wants you to know joy, wants you to know purpose in life. And you can come into this better way of living. Now, Paul says, I wanna show you a better way of living. And then the very next words he says is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the very passage of Scripture that we're walking through together. And notice what it says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Now, stop for a moment and then, what Paul then lays out for us when he has this introduction that is a challenging introduction, he then gives to us eight descriptors. Not eight definitions, but eight descriptors of what love is. This is what love is like. And the first one he says is, love is patient. And wouldn't you know, he would pick my greatest weakness, and he would start right there. Maybe all of us could learn to be a little bit more patient. Maybe that's what all of us need, just a little bit more patient. Maybe maybe you're far more patient than I am, but all of us need a little bit. There was a guy that was uh, a husband, a dad, and he said to his wife, "Uh, you know, give me the list. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'll buy everything you need. Just give me a list of everything you need. You stay here. I'll go to the grocery store. And he took the youngest child, the youngest child that, his personality is he bounces off all the walls. He, he is in motion all the time. He is always into something. And he decided, I'm gonna give my wife a break and I'll take him and we, I'll go to the grocery store. I wanna do this for you. What a great husband and dad. So he did, he, he and his youngest son went to the grocery store, they got there. He put his son in the, in the seat, you know, there, there in the grocery cart, in the front, strapped him in. But his son was not happy to be at the grocery store. And everywhere they went, up and down every aisle, he was grabbing stuff off the shelves and throwing them and he was saying, he was crying, he was complaining. And those people who were watching or hearing what was going on, they gave these two a wide berth. They stayed as far away as they could. But those that didn't get that opportunity that could hear the dad softly saying, now, it's okay, John. Calm down, John, it's okay. You're going to be fine. We're going to get to the other side of this, John. Well, there was a mom who heard that, and she was pretty impressed at the patience of this dad, and she decided she'd step in. and She went up to both of them. She said hi to the man. She looked right at the little boy, and she said, now, John, what seems to be the problem? And the dad said, oh, his name is Henry. My name is John. (laughs) Calm down, John. It's gonna be okay, John. (laughs) When I heard that story, I laughed too, because so much in my life I've had a self-talk, you know, nobody knows me. I'm sort of talking myself. Okay, Mark, calm down, it's gonna be fine. The word in the Greek called patience is the word that means to be a long time to boil. It takes a long time to boil. And what God is saying to us is he wants us to grow in this, in this patience, in which it takes a long time for us to boil. Why is this so important? Did you know that you go in the Old Testament, you go in the New Testament, you will see the word patience everywhere. It's all over the scripture. Why? Why is it so important that you and I learn more and more about how to be patient and we actually put that in our everyday life? Well, one reason is because everybody's different. Have you noticed this? People aren't the same. People have different perspectives about things. They have have different personality traits. They have different responses. They, They have different ways of expressing themselves. They have different talents. People are different. And don't you wish every so often that for at least a period of time, everyone could be sane and think just like you? If only they could all be just like me. But it's never gonna happen because everybody is different. There's some people that are are shy and other people that are outgoing. There's some people that are fast and other people that are slow. Is it this point that I would probably tell you about slow drivers and how slow drivers literally drive me crazy? But I can't because I'm preaching on patience today. So I'm decided just not even to bring this topic up. I am just saying to you that everybody is different. There was a study, a university study, on the subject of patience that was done in which they discovered that those people who are patient tend to live longer. They tend to have less depression. They tend to have less stress. They tend to experience negative emotions less. They tend to have a greater ability to take a negative situation and disarm it and turn it into something positive. They tend to be more positive about life. They tend to be more satisfied with life. Now this was the result of this university study. So I'm asking you to stop for just a moment and I'm asking you to seriously think what parts of these, what descriptors that they give do you not want? I don't want to live long. I want to live short. I want to have my life full of depression. I I want to have stress out the wazoo. I want to have my life full of negative emotions. I don't want to be able to disarm negative situations. I want to create negative situations. I don't want to have a life satisfied. I don't want to be happy. There's no one of us that would say that. And what God is saying to you and I, if you and I would take seriously this idea as being a Christian, that we could live a whole different life, if we would be willing to learn patience, it could be transformational. And what it means is that there's going to have to be a whole lot more times in which we have self-talk and we are to take deep breaths and begin to think it all through people are different and it's okay there's a second reason and that is that perception doesn't always mean reality I know we've oftentimes, sometimes, think that we got all the information and now we can make a judgment call. And there are times in which we see all these dots lining up and now we, we start connecting the dots and boom, this is what it is. But sometimes we don't have all the information. And when we make a judgment call and connect dots, we're connecting wrong dots. And you know what? I've come to a conclusion that I'm really bad. I'm really poor at being able to accurately judge the motives of other people. I I miss it all the time. That perception is not always reality. And this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. And notice the words, no one. Even though we think we can, no one. So what happens sometimes is that we give ground to misconceptions that lead us in the wrong direction. And I wanna, I wanna raise three, three misconceptions. The first misconception is this, that words mean the same to everyone. One of the things that I discovered in the ministry that took me by surprise, I didn't see it coming, is that words don't mean the same to everyone. And so I'm preaching and I'm teaching and then I I have someone say, oh, it's just like you said. And they tell me something that was never, ever a thought in my mind, but they attach the thought and the idea to me. And I never even said that before. But you know what we do? When we're hearing, you're doing this right now, when we hear someone else, we're interpreting. We're actually filling in pieces. We're actually moving towards some past experience and we're saying, oh yeah, you're right, this is true. And we are interpreting it our way. And we kinda think this is what Mark was saying when actually maybe it wasn't because people don't hear the words the same. And I've experienced that more at Sugar Creek than any other church, and I wanna tell you why. Our church has people from 90 different countries that speak 70 different languages. Who's ever heard of such a thing? And the reason is because Fort Bend County, our county, has been called the most ethnically diverse county in America. It is as though, seriously, it is as though, this is how I've sort of understood it in my own brain, that God took a scoop and he scooped a handful of people from every country in the world, and then he deposited them at Fort Bend County. And we are the most diverse county in America. And Sugar Creek, yay God! Sugar Creek reflects our county. I think one of the reasons that God did this great miracle in this church is so that we could better reach the region because anybody that walks into this, any of our campuses say, I see people that look like me. It is the most incredible, wonderful environment. But what I've discovered is that a whole slew of people, a large percentage of people, English is a second language and it's very possible in the midst of that that I can make a statement, I can use a word that gets translated very differently. I know it happens because I've experienced it. It's part of. So, it's okay. One of the misconceptions is this, that everyone that hears a word all thinks the same way about that word. It's a misconception. The second misconception is this, that there is only one right way to see things and it is my way. I think the entire country now has that disease. I'm not talking about COVID. I think our whole country has the disease. There's only one right way to see things and it's my way. And I think that some of that, maybe all of it, I don't know how much of it, I think some of that has been perpetuated by 24-hour news stations and, and uh, uh, writings of, of other people. Because when I go on news and I hear some individuals It is this way, there's only one way to see it, it is this way, and if someone doesn't see this way, not only are they wrong, they are enemies. And there's some people making millions and millions of dollars to perpetuate that idea, because it's the only way to get you back, only way to get us back to listen to them. So, I'm going to do a really crazy thing today. I want to address one of those issues. That is a very hard issue that we're trying to deal with as a country. And I'm probably not doing it and I'm probably going to either anger or frustrate everybody. How about that for the lead in on a a point in the message? I want to talk to you today about the subject of vaccines. Did you know that we have people in our church that have not been vaccinated who say, "Uh, I haven't been vaccinated, but I don't want anybody to know because I don't want to be judged. And we have people in our church who have been vaccinated who say, I've been vaccinated, but I don't want anybody to know because I don't want to be judged. And did you know that's true in probably every church everywhere and all across this country So, I'm gonna just dive in. As soon as the opportunity came up for Kathy and I to get a vaccine, both of us got vaccinated. And if I had to do it all over again, I would make the very same decision. Because in my mind, as I see the vaccine, The vaccine is just a tool to help mitigate some of the effects of COVID, and that's the only way I see it. Kathy and I also got the Delta variant. We were breakthrough cases, both of us, but we had very mild cases, and we believe that at least in part, we had mild cases because of the vaccine but i say in part because here's the truth i know people that didn't get the vaccine that got the delta variant and they had very mild cases just like us and actually had better cases than us and i also know other people that died and this is the crazy thing about this virus but did you know that even though this is how i think about the virus not everybody thinks that way and over the course of this last year, I've had the opportunity to talk a lot to a lot of people, and especially people that have not been vaccinated and are never going to get vaccinated. And I've had the opportunity not to argue, not to try to convince, but to uh, tell, me, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. Tell me how you think about this. And I'm going to tell you, let me just be truthful to you. I've heard some great arguments. I've heard some great arguments against The vaccine that are very credible. Uh, When I'm uh, watching a a news station and uh, are reading an article, I almost always hear, well, all the vaccinated people, you know why they're not, they didn't get a vaccine? It's all because of politics. But the truth is, when I've talked to people, it's a tiny little sliver who've ever brought up politics. It's a little sliver. So what the pundits are saying is not true. I don't believe, at least it hasn't been true for the people I've talked to. But when I've talked to people that decided against the vaccine, I've heard some really credible arguments. Hasn't been convincing for me, I would still get the vaccine, but it doesn't mean that just because I believe something, it's the only way to see things. I'm gonna say something else. One of the things that has really frustrated me is the people that I've listened to on news and I've read articles of that have been so mean. How dare they not get the vaccine? Treat them as enemies. Don't be around them. Shun them, shame them. I kid you not, I heard one person say, just let them die. Good riddance. (sighs) Golly, it's gone too far. So, if we were in a communist country, All of us would have been vaccinated within a couple of weeks, which is an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Or we would find ourselves in prison, but we're not in a communist country. Oh God, thank you so much. We are in the United States of America. We have freedom. Now freedom is messy and it is extremely frustrating because in freedom, people don't do what we want them to do, because they've got their own mind and they make their own decisions. And it's messy because sometimes we get very frustrated at free people. And I know that there's arguments, I've heard them all, I've thought them, but yeah, but if you don't get a vaccine, I've got one, maybe you endanger me. I know the arguments and I also have heard the counter arguments and then there's a counter to the counter and there's a counter to the counter to the counter. But here is the truth. We live in freedom. And the greatest gift God ever gave to us is his son Jesus Christ. But I think the second greatest gift is freedom. So, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that we view each other with patience. We view each other with patience. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family members, our extended family members, we view each other with patience. And especially we view our wonderful, and by the way, I might say very good looking pastor with patience. Because it's a misconception to say there's only one right way to see things and it's the way I see it. Misconception number three, I hope I haven't lost you yet. I know other people's real motives. I know other people's real motives. I could be wrong, but I would not be a bit surprised if in the silence of our mind, we have... Thought from time to time about what we think the motive of someone else is, and we were sure that we were right. And the truth is, I've done that. I've had people that have come and informed me of my motives after I've made a decision that weren't at all correct there was so much more information that was involved than they would have any idea about, but they informed me of what my motives were and they were wrong. And I've gone to God and complained about it and you know what God has said to me? Well, Mark, you've done that. And unfortunately, he's right. So here's what I'm saying to you. Patience allows other people to think differently about issues and still treats that person respectfully. Don't agree, but I treat you with respect. Third, patience will reestablish control in a negative situation. Uh, many times when other people uh, are, are, are hurt, are going through things, we, we begin to, to uh, call, cry out against someone else for, for what they did, what they said. When the truth is, if we, would have, if we would have had a little self-talk or whatever it is, take deep breaths, we could have changed the outcome of the moment if we would have just gotten a hold of ourselves. We could have controlled that negative situation and turned it around. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves. Now stop for a moment. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Did you give your heart to Christ? Do you love Jesus? Well, if that's the case for you, you're you're the person he's talking about. He chose you to be his holy people. He's talking about you and me. So, since we've established, he is now talking to us that know Christ as Savior. Listen to what he says. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must, and the the caps, M-U-S-T, was me. That's that's me, I put that in there. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. God is saying, you must. If you know me, this is how you must respond. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. There are so many people in this church, it's just amazing to me how so spiritually mature people in this church and I've watched them, I've seen them in hard situations just turn away wrath with a soft answer and I so admire them. I so respect them, I've seen them in these moments. Ecclesiastes chapter seven verse eight and nine says, finishing is better than starting. Starting. Patience is better than pride. So what is he doing? He is equating patience are, as being the opposite of pride. It's pride that is keeping us from being patient. It's pride that is saying, no, I want my way. He say, no, instead of pride, Be patient, don't be quick-tempered, that is being foolish. And in Proverbs 15 verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. So what does patience look like? Patience look like this. This is why we ought to have patience. So what does patience look like? Patience assumes the best, about another person even if there isn't enough evidence to do so. It assumes the best, even if I'm not sure they, they deserve it. I'm not sure I have enough evidence to assume good about this person, but patience assumes the best about another person even if they, there's not enough evidence to do so. Ephesians chapter four, verse one and two says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of of your calling. For you have been called by God. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Every person has bad days. Every one of us do. Every one of us from time to time are a little bit flaky. We wouldn't say that we are, but there's probably somebody in the world that knows us that would say privately, yeah, he's a little flaky sometimes. All of us have these moments in our lives. And so Philippians 4 verse 8 says, think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the the fine good things in others. Patience assumes the best. That's what it looks like. Second of all, patience remembers how patient God is with us. Romans chapter 15 verses 5 to 7 says this, may God who gives patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see the next sentence. So, accept each other just as in Christ, just as Christ has accepted you. Now stop for a moment. He says, I want you to accept each other just like Christ accepted you then. Circle the word then. Then God will be glorified. All of us, every single one of us want to glorify God with our lives and we do it with with our worship. We do it with so many things. And one of the ways that God says, you and I are glorifying God is when we accept each other. Warts and all. And even when the other person we really think is wrong. We accept each other because Jesus has accepted us. Warts and all. It's one of the greatest passages in the Bible. There's a third thing. Patience doesn't just talk, it listens. Patience listens. Proverbs 19, verse 11 a man's wisdom gives him patience. When we have patience, it's because our wisdom taught us that that it's the right response. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, Listen before you answer. If you don't, you are being both foolish and insulting. There was a guy that did an unscientific study of how well people listen in a receiving line at a wedding, very specific. And it seems kind of quirky to me, but this guy decided he would make a study of how well people listen in a receiving line at a wedding. All of us maybe have been in a receiving line at a wedding, I have, maybe you have. Or maybe you were one of those people that went through, you, you were shaking hands of someone that got married and you were ta- shaking hands of those people that were in the receiving line. He decided that over the course of one year, I, I don't know, maybe he didn't have enough to do, but he decided over the course of one year, he'd do a study of how well people listen in the receiving line. So at every wedding, he went to a bunch of weddings, as many weddings as he could. He went to the receiving line, and he said, he gave a big smile, warm smile, and he shook the hand of each person, and he said to them, the alligators are loose. To every single person, to at every wedding, the alligators are loose. He said not one person over the course of a year challenged the statement. What? What do you mean the alligators are loose? What? Not one person. He said, everybody, smile back. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He said, one woman said, thank you. You know, I made those myself. And he said, I don't know what she was thinking. Because a lot of times when we're talking to another person, we're not actually listening to them. What we're trying to do is formulate our counter argument. the whole time we're listening to another person. Did you know that uh, some study was done and said that 7% of communication are the words we say, 7%. 7% are the words we actually say. 43% of communication is how we say the words. The emphasis that we make, the, the volume our softness or uh, how it is that we say the words we say is 43% of communication. And then the other 70% is about body language, what our body language is. So stop right there. I'm conducting a study of you and I am not going to ask you to say it out loud. I'm wondering, what was the percentage total that I just gave to you? (laughs) No, no, don't say it, don't say it, because I don't wanna embarrass people, but was it 90%? Was it 100%? Was it 10%? I mean, 110%, was it 120%? It was 120%, and I just did it because I wanted to see if you were listening. And here's the last thing. Patience treats others the way we want to be treated. It's called the golden rule. And I'm gonna just be totally upfront and honest with you. This is the greatest leadership principle I've ever read anywhere, the golden rule. Do unto others the way you would want them to do to you. It is the greatest leadership principle that I have ever heard, ever seen. And I wanna tell you, there was a day in which I was preaching the, this principle and it dawned on me that I didn't always live by the principle. And I began to work in my heart to say, I want to live by this principle. I wanna do unto others the way I would want them to do to me. I wanna treat my staff the way I would want to be treated. I wanna treat the members in my church the way I would want to be treated. I wanna do my very best. I don't always reach it. Sometimes I see myself not doing it, but it is in the back of my mind and oftentimes the forefront of my mind on a regular basis because it has been the greatest leadership principle that I have ever heard in my whole life. It will change the way you treat other people if you will treat them the way you would want them to treat you. Now, patience. And here is what Paul is saying. Your life will be totally transformed. You will be shocked at the change that happens in your life. You will be shocked at how much anger goes out of your life, how much bitterness goes out of your life, how much frustration with others go out of your life. You will be changed about how happy you are in life and and how well you get along with other people in your life, how much better if you pour yourself in to learning how to boil at a slower rate. It takes you longer now to boil. Now I want to talk to all of these that are listening online today. Then there are many of you in, that, are, that are listening to this. I'm so grateful that you're here and my statement to you is this is impossible to live this way outside of the power of Jesus Christ. In our life. But when Jesus Christ comes to live inside of us, he, he pours into our life a strength, a power, an ability to do what we could not have done without Him. And I'm wanting, I'm asking you today: have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, all of the campuses in the Sugarland campus, all the campuses online, this morning could be the morning that you give your heart to Christ. And I'm asking you, would you open your heart to Jesus today? I want Jesus in my life. And I'm going to ask you this morning to make that decision. And when I finish praying, when the service is over, I'm going to ask you, would you go to the next step center, the virtual next step center, the the room on each of the campuses and talk to one of our ministers. I want to know Jesus as my Savior today. Give us the opportunity today to show you what Paul was saying. And now I want to give you a better way of living. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and I ask that you would move in our hearts for all those who do not know Christ today, that this would be the moment in our life that we would make that decision. Oh, God, I want you in my life, and I commit my life to Jesus Christ. I turn from my son, and I turn my heart to Jesus Christ. And for all of us that know Jesus as Savior, that you would be at work in our heart today to show us how to grow patience. And in the course of growing patience, to change our lives. I pray that you would work in our heart this week. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.